Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and it is a jobs report Friday. Uh, the U.S. jobs report out for April. Canada, a little bit delayed. We take our time when uh, when the first of the month is uh, falls on the Friday. The U.S. is right out there. And that means we are joined by the hardest working economist in Canada, Eric Lascelles. Eric, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. And uh, we, were, we were just actually talking uh, about uh, you, you. You've written some fantastic stuff this week. Uh, that I know listeners can get access through your uh, through Twitter and LinkedIn and all the other places where uh, where they can find you on the RBC Global Asset Management uh, website as your chief economist at RBC Global Asset Management and uh, a little longer this week uh, and apparently you get paid by the word is that uh, that's so so you work hard to hard for the money I'm I'm training to try, type as quickly as I can yeah just to maximize that salary exactly. <laughs> And, so there's uh, a lot going on. There's a lot going on more seriously. So it's, it's, and, it's and drifting. I know I lose it, a lot of you when it goes too long, but nevertheless, there's a lot to share. We'll, we'll try and there, keep this as tight as we can, Dave, on the on the oral side, I suppose. Well, I, I, I believe as your host, I've already failed in that regard. So we will we will tighten it up from here and get to the serious stuff, which is why people are listening. And, and, and like you said, there's a lot going on. So let's start with the jobs report in the U.S. Uh, this morning and, you know, kind of for once kind of you know, in a round where we would have expected, right? Yep, no, exactly. That's right. And maybe I should start by saying, and expectations were pretty optimistic. So, uh, you know, we continue to be in this world in which job gains uh, would well exceed anything resembling normal or pre-pandemic norms or anything like that. So we got 431,000 new jobs in the U.S. in the month of March. The expectation had been a little more for 490,000, uh, but still, 431 is, is quite strong. It's, it's you know, quite literally four times what you need just to keep pace with population growth. It's, you know, double what you might describe as a, a good, good number. And they did have some positive revisions. And so the, the job creation ultimately was consistent maybe with, with, with aspirations if spread over the last few months. And uh, we saw hourly earnings go up somewhat, which has its own discussion, of course, in terms of potentially sure. perpetuating inflation, in terms of being, of course, good for workers, being less good for profit margin and businesses. So, so a mixed billing on that. But nevertheless, as you'd expect, with a tightening labor market and with high inflation, we are seeing wage growth pick up to some extent. And uh, unemployment, uh, to no one's surprise, given this rate of hiring, kept falling. So we are now down from 3.8% to 3.6%. So a 0.2 percentage point drop, and that's low. So uh, the yeah. pre-pandemic low was 3.5. And you know we hadn't touched 3.5 in many, many decades before that. So we're not just talking about back to normal. We're talking about into a an extremely tight labor market by just about any, any standard. Um, I, I will say that if you wanted to, to quibble, it wouldn't be a complaint about this month in particular, but you can still say kind of surprisingly, U.S. employment is still 1.6 million jobs below where it was yeah. before the pandemic. So yeah. uh, if you're trying to reconcile how was the unemployment rate normal, but the uh, level of employment isn't, that's you know, people who have dropped out of the, the, the labor force. So you had people take early yeah. retirement. Some people have decided that maybe they want to be a one income household after all, or, or just logistically, it makes more sense to take care of kids uh, oneself instead of via some third party. And so uh, there's been a drop there. Uh, at the risk of going off script here, I would say um, certainly that's a, a small 
constraint on the economy uh, in, in the short run if we've lost a certain pool of eligible workers. But I will say our main takeaway from the pandemic and its implications over the long run is we think it's actually more likely we'll see more people than otherwise eventually in the labor market as a result of the pandemic as opposed to fewer. So some people have been scared off. And so that that's the situation right now. Uh, however, long term, I mean, working from home is now much more viable. People who can't uh, handle a long commute or maybe the labor market's just bad where they live. It's not bad somewhere else. Uh, right. Or maybe they're in a position to work a few days a week or to work half a day each day. And so it doesn't make sense if you're doing an hour commute each way. But without the commute, that can make sense. The bottom line is if virtual working sticks around, we could see a higher level of employment over the long run than we're seeing. So I think this is a, a, a temporary uh, distortion as opposed to a, a new permanent level of lower employment. Yeah. And I, I, I heard some numbers this morning that the uh, the labor participation rate in the U.S. is still about 1% below where it was pre-pandemic. But there's some signs that we're starting to see some people coming back. And and and, and that's that's what's giving you that optimism, right? Correct. Exactly. Yeah. There, there was a nice little jump in the labor force participation rate. And it's always so confusing. How was there a jump in it if, if, uh, if, if we're seeing simultaneously the unemployment rate come down? But confusingly, there's a separate employment estimate that comes from a different survey, and that's where the unemployment comes from. And and maybe the takeaway from all of that is 431,000 was the official job gain in the U.S. However, there's another survey that says it was 736,000 uh, in, the, in the latest month. And so just to confuse everybody, I'll mention that as well. Uh, it's not quite fair since we don't talk about that some months. But, but again, the, the main point here would be let's not be glum about a slight miss in the raw job creation numbers. There was much to like beneath the surface. And, uh, and of course, this then is the bedrock from which consumer spending can emerge and, and things like that. Just, just more evidence why it's hard to be an economist. So uh, lot, lot, lots of data being thrown your way. So, uh, so, so one of the things I, I think we should, uh, we, we should come back to at some point, maybe in a longer form podcast, is talking about this uh, complete change in the labor market and, and maybe the implications for that. I know, uh, I know you're always thinking about stuff, not to put more work on your, on your table. But let, let's go to uh, one of the other big news items from, from this week around the economy, and that's with respect to the yield curve. And of course, the yield curve measures uh, the yield of various uh, lengths of bonds to to maturity. So from from you know, one month to 30 years and uh, at different points along that bond curve, we've seen some inversion. So, for example, uh, as we speak right now on Friday, April 1st in the afternoon, uh, the two year bond in the U.S., the yield of that is higher than the 10 year bond. In the U.S. and that, for a lot of people, is that signal that you know maybe down the road the economy is not going to be doing as well as it is right now. What what are, what are your thoughts on on the yield curve and and where we're sitting right now? Yeah, so there's certainly been a lot of flattening of the yield curve and, and as you say, even some inversion in terms of longer dated bond yields being lower than shorter dated bond yields. And, you know, historically, people will say that when that 210 inverts, that the risk of recession suddenly can be can be quite high. Um, I would say that the risk, risk of recession is certainly increased from where it was uh, six months ago. Uh, and it is, I think, higher than it normally is. But I'm not convinced it's 50 percent or above. We've been saying we think the risk of recession in the U.S. and Canada is maybe you know, in the 25 to 35 percent range for the year ahead. And for Europe, maybe it's maybe it's you know, 40 or 45. It's so significant. But still, but still, there, there's nothing uh, suggesting we have a, a guarantee of a recession for the next year. Uh, and, and in terms of why we're, we're a bit more uh, optimistic or maybe less pessimistic is the right way to put it. Um, keep in mind, there are other ways of, of teasing out the risk of recession from a yield curve and actually 
some of those other ways tend to be historically a bit more successful. Uh, they've had a better predictive power, particularly in recent cycles. And so, for instance, instead of the two-year tenure spread, the three-month tenure spread is is thought to be actually more accurate over the last several decades. And that one is is holding steady. It's still a, a positive slope. Uh, it hasn't actually declined all that much uh, lately. And so that one is suggesting that we have a model that, that uses that spread and says the risk of recession is less than 10% for the next year. So maybe we want to split the difference here. I'm not sure. In fact, there's a third one that the U.S. Federal Reserve thinks is even better. Uh, and that one has been actively steepening. It's suggesting the risk is shrinking and quite low. It's, I, I wouldn't say the risk is quite low at a time that central banks are raising rates and inflation is high and war is happening and so on. Clearly, there are some some pretty big headwinds out there. But I, I would just emphasize, don't, don't obsess over just one uh, measure of the yield curve. There are others that are a bit more mixed. And you, know, you can even argue, uh, well, for instance, you can also say, let's take out all these crazy inflation distortions. What is the, the real uh, yield curve telling us? And we did that recently. And so the real 210 yield curve is actually happily fairly positive uh, and at a yeah. pr- pretty steady. And so it, it's it's not collapse. Basically, people are adjusting their inflation expectations and they're assuming inflation is going to come down in the next few years. And so that pulls down the longer dated yields. And that maybe is a good thing. In fact, uh, yeah. if you really wanted to be a little bit... Um, uh, a, a little bit coy, you, you could say that, uh, gee, I mean, shouldn't we be concerned if the yield curve was steepening? A steepening yield curve would suggest people are pricing in high inflation for the long run. That's what would make me concerned. Uh, people pricing in, you know, structurally higher interest rates over the long run would be a bad thing uh, as it stands right now. And so I guess just to emphasize that we are in a different situation than usual. And some of those yield curve signals, therefore, are becoming a bit more nuanced. And, and, and this, this, this is, we, we've talked before with you, uh, you know, has everything to do with what what you were kind of expecting uh, is was was a shorter business cycle this time out. Uh, so so you know what, uh, again, we're, we're, you're you're not sounding an alarm that it, that it, that a recession is around the corner certainly, and that those those numbers remain very low from percentage uh, from in percentage terms. Uh, but we are moving through this business cycle faster than we did uh, the previous cycle, without a doubt. Yep, that's right. Yeah, for sure. So we've been saying mid-cycle for a while. I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see what the next revision says in a, in a month or so when we do it. I, I think it'll probably still say mid-cycle, but equally, I suspect it'll also continue to tell us that the early cycle claims keep weakening and the late cycle claims keep strengthening and, and so on. I mean, all else equal, we've been guessing for more than a year now that maybe it'll be a five-year cycle, not a not a 10-year cycle, in which case, you know, 2024 gets gets a little interesting, say. But in theory, you, you could expect, you know, 2022 at least to continue delivering growth, though, again, and that's just one way of, of assessing the economic outlook. Uh, I will I will say we're actively expecting a, a deceleration in growth over this year. We think it's likely to still be a recovery, but a, a decelerating recovery. And we did actually get a little bit of evidence of that as well today in the data. And so the, the ISM yeah. manufacturing print for uh, the month of March also came out. And uh, I've been clicking around on my computer so much, I think I've lost all my numbers here, which is a foolish move by me. But nevertheless, I can say modestly lower. Um, yes. And indeed, we the production... Uh, subcomponent did fall, though consistent with growth. The new order subcomponent fell actually fairly substantially, though still consistent with growth. Um, what, what was good about it, though, was that we saw uh, slightly fewer complaints about supply chains. And so that was a welcome thing. Um, but equally, one of the reasons the measure didn't fall further, and this is a weird one, uh, is that inflation expectations or the assessment of inflation went higher. And so higher inflation means a higher index. It's a bit of a funny thing. You might think it should have the opposite effect. Yeah. But in, a, in any event, uh, we are seeing signs of economic deceleration here. So let's let's be candid about that. 
that. So there is a slowdown. The recession risk is higher than usual, but it's still more likely we get a recovery. And so uh, I'm sure you've been giving all sorts of very helpful messages to, to everyone out there. But in general, it's, it's a time when one shouldn't be taking uh, extraordinary investment risk, I don't think. Yes. But equally, yeah. normally mid-cycle is a time when you can still more often than not expect risk assets to rise. And so it's worth heeding that as well. Yeah. And, and that, that's always the point as, you, as, you're, as you're watching the economy move through that economic cycle. And when, if you check in with us uh, at least once a month when Eric's on, uh, we, we typically check in on his, on his view of the economic cycle and where we're sitting. And, uh, and, and that is, is when you want to sit down with your advisor as, those, as, the business, as we move through and just make sure that your, your portfolio is positioned uh, at, the, at the level of risk that it should be for you. And of course, everyone listening uh, has their own standard for that. And that's why this is an important discussion for you uh, and an advisor uh, to, to make the right call for yourself. So yeah, and, and, uh, and I, I just thought I, I should mention, I, I actually drove by, I was in Long Beach last week, Long Beach, California. So I went by the port and you can see the ships out sitting, uh, wait, waiting to come in. It was pretty, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty interesting as if you think about that as maybe the, uh, the picture of the supply chain backup. So I, as, as a uh, quasi economist, I, I, I get interested in those things. So I made a special trip up to Long Beach just to look out in the ocean to see what was sitting there. I, I used to get somebody who would email me occasionally who I guess would, would as many as many I suppose people do, drive down uh, the Queen Elizabeth uh, outside Toronto and would tell me like whether there were a lot of cars parked in the assembly plant or not at the, the local car mm-hmm. car manufacturing facility. And he thought that was a key, a key input. And I'm, I'm sure it probably is as well, though most of the time car production isn't a particularly volatile indicator. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's great insight where we're now in a world in which we get all sorts of fascinating real-time measures and so uh, we just need you to go back again do you feel like going back again next month we need a point of comparison oh, i i i left uh I, I left 25 degrees came back to minus 12 so yes i'm, I'm ready to go back although okay. although hey the weather's only going to get better from here in canada and uh and hopefully we continue to see uh we see good job numbers for uh for canada similar to the u.s next week and uh and of course, it's it's never better than we're hanging out with our favorite economist, Eric LaSalle. Eric, thanks again. Thank you. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.